0: Hi and
1: welcome to Immortal Sounds with me, Amelia Phillips, and James Mars. Hello. This month's episode is with our friend and musician and sound artist, Rupert Glovo. Hello. Um, James, do you want to say a bit more about Rupert and what he does?
0: Uh, Sure. Uh, Rupert, it's funny doing this because it made me think about how I do know you, so Rupert is a musician, sound engineer, mastering engineer writer. Uh, what else? Any other strings to your bow? No, I think that's it. Covers it mainly. Um, so, yeah, sort of playing in bands for years and years and then suddenly figuring out that you can you can do mastering as well. And then more recently, I guess, sort of producing music yourself uh, outside of just being with bands. Um, and that's how I know Rupert through doing helping him release some of his music at CVX.
1: Um, so first things first, Reaper. where did you grow up?
2: Uh, I was born in Cambridge and grew up in Cambridge. Um, and that's about all I can say about that. I moved to London. My friend picked me up after my last A-level exam and I packed my bags into the car and left Cambridge. And what, was, was, what was the exam? Uh, English Unseen. Huh? So a bit of unseen poetry and you write about it and uh, did quite well in that one. Yeah, but not so well in the other ones. And Maybe that'll come that back. <laughs> was, that was the end of my education, in fact.
1: <laughs> so you didn't go to university? No, and no. Uh, with your, like, growing up in Cambridge, what was, do you remember anything from, like say your family life that, you know, were you, was it a quite loud family or a quiet family?
2: It was a quiet family in that it was, after my sister moved out, she's 10 years older than me, and so she moved out, uh, which was sad, because she's awesome. Um, And then it was me, my mum, and my brother living together, but my mum rented the spare room out to, Cambridge is full of language students, and so she would rent the spare room out to, um, to business people that were coming to Cambridge to learn English. And so we always had like different people living in the house, which was, Amazing! It was really nice. People from different countries and things like that. So, my memories of growing up are always kind of this very tight, very close family, small family unit, and then always with this these drifting protagonists that would come flare. in and out. Yeah, a bit of a bit of uh, Mediterranean flair. Maybe gave me my taste for the Mediterranean, which I which I have now. Did
1: they sort of sit down for family dinners as well? And
2: that kind of th- yeah, when for as long as I did. You know, and then you start to get interested in things that pull you away from family dinners, and you know, then you sort of uh, you're you're the one that's not sitting down to family dinners. But yeah, there were there was family dinners. I remember a lot of the the people really well by name, and you know, it was quite nice having these kind of, albeit transient, but these kind of like father figures often around you know, who, uh, when you're when you're a kid, you don't really think that it's like awkward to like jump on this guy that's like living in your house for a month to learn English. And you kind of like, Mm -hmm. uh, you you kind of co-op them into sort of like quasi father duties and stuff like that. But it was really nice having like different people, different languages and things like that in the house. It was great. Yeah.
1: Are they still, are you still in touch with any of them?
2: No, no, no. I mean, it was, I was sort of too young to stay in touch. I think my mum still like writes letters with some of them that stuck that were around for a lot there was one called jose he was there for maybe four or five months and they became good friends and uh so i think she set in touch with some of them yeah
1: yeah so when you left then you came to london just like moved in with friends did you
2: yeah i was i was living with um with a very close friend of mine called called nick who actually was the 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 K1 of CVX and K1, we made a track together then, which was released so a couple of years ago. It's an underground hit. An underground gem, yeah. Um, and I, I'd known him since I was really, really young, maybe like five years old. <clears throat> so I kind of left Cambridge without really a plan of where I would live, and then ended up living at his parents' house for about five <laughs> or six months, sleeping on his bedroom floor. And then me and a few friends all moved into a house together um which we then lived in for 10 years
1: oh wow yeah. where was
2: that where yeah uh, I was it was uh on Doors Road so sort of between Film and Hammersmith yeah and um yeah we lived there with my cat Blackness
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry sorely missed
2: um and yeah so in a way like that whole swathe of time for, like my entire twenties pretty much was spent living in the same house with the same people, which was, which was amazing. Yeah. It was great.
1: What sort of music were you into when you were back home in Cambridge, like as a teenager?
2: Every single conceivable phase was gone through at one point or another, um, from kind of lipstick, goth, heavy metal. Uh, I never really had a hip hop phase. Um, big kind of like jane's addiction kind of phase which went on for quite a while <laughs> which morphed into techno and then techno was quite quite a long phase after that and then it kind of got back into bands again from 20 but like all of my teenage years were spent going into like very very deep specific phases really kind of with the attire and the like, attire and yeah, everything yeah. yeah yeah
1: quite introspective quite quite I introspective so. yeah.
2: yeah but like but definitely like mining it for for all it was worth and were you going from group to group like hang out
0: with a goth group for a month or were you just doing it on your own well just really like
2: everyone was doing it oh, okay right. like i but that, that's that's what kind of kids that age do right i mean yeah you dive in i don't know anyone that's that was a goth at 17 that's still a goth now i'm sure yeah. they exist but definitely i've seen them commitment you know, <laughs> it's yeah it's the commitment that i've never been capable of mm. uh you know, I was trying to shield certain aspects of my, kind of, sartorial experimentations as a teenager, but s- sadly, uh, my passport photo, which is now no longer my passport photo thankfully, but captured one that, that I then had to live with for about what was 10 years, no, no, it was post-lipstick goth, it was full Jane's addiction phase, so I had septum ring. Uh, which you know, I, I don't mind the septum ring at all. So far, so good. But uh, blonde, like bleach blonde dreadlocks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I've heard about the dreadlocks. Yeah, phase. You've, I
2: think you've heard about it, and that was my passport photo for a full like eight or nine years after that phase finished. Yeah, <laughs> I got some weird looks at airports.
1: When did you start making music?
2: Well, I mean, like classic kind of like pots and pans scenario at home so I started playing drums I was sort of obsessed with drums when I was as far back as I can remember and so the drumming thing like went all like throughout all the band phases it was always about playing drums and so I was playing in bands at school and you know there was a kid who I was at school with when I was maybe like 12 to, to 15 or 16 he played drums as well, so. We would like. He actually lived in the fens. Oh uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> his uh, his parents had this garage like separate from the house, so we would set up two drum kits in there, just like facing each other, and just kind of zone out playing drums <laughs> for <laughs> for days on end. Yeah, like a battle. Yeah, It's one so good. <clears throat> yeah. I'd love to see a video of
0: that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he would <was>, like <laughs> dreadlocks flying everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> it was it was messy. Yeah, very messy. Probably smelly and. uh but, you know it was fun out in the fens nothing else to do really banging away banging away
0: what uh why do you think it was drums you,
2: you... no idea yeah. it's a good question it's a oh yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's a, <laughs> good a good question <laughs> good question with with no answer yeah. i think in a way like drums seem really fun and also they seem completely kind of unacademic music yeah does that translate to sort of how you write or how you yeah i think well certainly you make correlations i think with writing with you know reading from a critical point of view i think that sense of rhythm they they're not i don't think they're separate things no. you know the type of rhythm that you enjoy in writing to me is the same kind of pleasure that i get from from rhythm from listening to people play drums or playing myself yeah it's <clears> sort of i think it's a it's all a kind of it's an entire it's an entire aspect. Yeah, I think it's like a sort of holistic approach yeah. that that can be kind of enhanced by by playing drums and concentrating on that.
0: You know? Yeah, <clears throat> I, I, I think I find it really sort of quite overpowering sometimes. That sense of rhythm and like really affecting like the way I move. <laughs> I don't know if like walking down the street or like you know or just everything you do. It it really it it's there
2: yeah it's absolutely there and yeah. it's fun to pick things out i mean i always find myself like clicking fingers what when i'm walking yeah um and i suppose there's just an awareness of rhythm that you kind of fall back into very easily
0: which i think is like it's not uncommon but a lot of people have it but also if you you know if you're then training yourself to yeah then then it's even it's amplified and it's
2: De- definitely amplified. So...
0: asked you to prepare three sounds and would you like
2: to tell us what the first one is? So the first one is from my only major non musical phase in my life where from quite a young age I was also obsessed with motorbikes and that at some point maybe like so sort of nineteen to twenty one that like took over everything. I kind of stopped really making music and I was just obsessed with uh, with riding my motorbike. And when you ride race bikes and you're sort of learning how to do it, there is this thing that everyone wants to do, which is to get your knee down, which is when you're going around a corner and you're leaning oh, yeah. over far enough that your knee scrapes on the ground. And so, you know, you like you have the full leathers and you have these bits of plastic velcroed to the side of your of your knee, and um, so my first sound was the first time I ever got my knee down, and it's you you, you imagine what it's going to be like because you're trying so hard to do it for a long time, and then the first time it happens, it doesn't sound as dramatic as you want it to do. It basically just sounds like plastic scraping yeah. on something, yeah. But I remember the first time it happened so distinctly and that sound is kind of etched in my in my memory as a day that i was just so unbelievably happy because that yeah because of the sound which sounds pathetic now no no, no it doesn't it sounds I mean,
1: like a skateboarder kind of mastering a, a trick or something t- it's totally
2: that kind of thing yeah, yeah. and it, it's a very sort of like dull scraping. And obviously you're wearing a helmet so all the sounds are kind of muffled And you're kind of in your own world. And, you know, when you it's like a little bit like being underwater where your senses are kind of muffled from the outside world. So anything that is going on is kind of uh, overemphasized uh, as different from what's going on outside you. When you've got a motorcycle helmet on, obviously, we try to look as mean as possible. So I've got a... This is my favorite bit in any radio show. (laughs) You do a visual (laughs) part. (laughs) People talk about photos that they're looking at but just to prove that that was that the you? case yeah oh, wow. oh so you did do, you were uh, like racing i was on the racetrack oh, yeah. could use that oh, so under was... the um yeah sure yeah it's so we'll what, like it the... no one really no one really knows about Thumbnail. that aspect of my past and uh, people actually find it quite surprising
0: wow i knew you did it, it but i didn't i didn't know that you did it in terms of like, actually racing it wasn't that
2: i was never i started too late to be okay, really right. fast know you know it. um but you would go you would go to do track days yeah sure and um you know you think you're pretty fast and on the on the road you're quite fast and then you go to a track day and you're kind of going around it's kind of scaring yourself a little bit and then some kind of 15 year old (laughs) just like goes straight past you and you're like ah okay well it's funny because also with motorcycling there are so many kind of obvious sounds that are appealing yeah (laughs) everyone loves the kind of
0: it's an achievement as well that one
2: straight through exhaust sound but that 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 sound just really like stuck in my head as a moment in time just like a it was a lovely sunny day and um it was just a sort of sound attached to a very specific moment uh, and of just feeling happy
1: living in the house in London what were you what sort of music were you into then and what was like the scene that you were involved in? I
2: mean it was it was such a span of time that it it, it would be impossible to like pin it down to one type of music uh and in fact at that time it was sort of I think it was a very close-knit group of friends who, who like we'd most of us had known each other already you know for 15 years or so by that point like we'd known each other really since we were like small kids and we'd been through all these phases together and it seemed like when we were getting into our into our 20s like pretty much right before I really got into the motorcycling more seriously it was that was like probably good three years of techno up until that point and that was sort of the vibe going into the house so we were all kind of like DJing and there were you know decks in the house and
0: is that like fat cat lost time definitely fat cat yeah. ab-
2: absolutely obsessed with lost Bicknell. Uh, Bicknell Cosmic Records um but yeah there. Were, I think there were probably maybe <clears throat> may have been three sets of decks in the house in in three of the four bedrooms so there was always like sound system stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a party house. I mean, we were just kind of fresh out of, fresh out of living at home and and um, excited, very excited, but then it seemed like after the techno thing, that seemed to be kind of a, a a phase after which all of us then just kind of opened up the remit completely to sort of all of the best bits of the things we'd been through. And then just a much more open-minded approach to music in general. Sort of taking everything, just that more realistic approach of like, you get to an age where obsessing about one type of music becomes more about fashion. Yeah. But if you really like music, then yeah, you you just kind of you come out of that adolescent approach to to music taste and more into sort of.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's funny. There's always a gateway type of music or something with most people, and often it's one that you then discard somewhat and then come back to it later on.
2: Yeah, and I think, from st- in a way, looking back, I think it makes sense, starting off playing drums and then going through this very kind of varied route through acoustic music, and then drumming is a good way to get into electronic music, I guess, because it kind of, it fires the same signals in so many ways as, as playing drums. And so it, in a way, it made sense that techno and electronic music was the kind of, the end of the cycle of, of obsessive, uh, kind of immersion in different in different styles, and then you kind of can sit back and take it all in again, with a with a kind of more open minded outlook. I think.
1: Are you still do you still listen to Jane's Addiction every now and then? It's
2: weird. Like every now and again, like it's in the iTunes on the, on the studio computer, but a couple of times I'll put a track on and. And it doesn't really, you know, the bands that were sort of big for me and my friends in those days, like Jane's Addiction, Pixies, Faith No More. Sometimes I'll I'll kind of try out a, a kind of a nostalgic listen. Weirdly, Faith No More sort of stands up best out of those three for and me. They've
0: got like sort of like stumpy EBM, like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that also that like Mike Patton up.
2: kind of... Lives on way better than Perry Farrell, for instance, in my mind, anyway. Like, yeah, he he sort of maintains a status as a kind of interesting, interesting person, you know.
1: Yeah, and I even when I listen to Pixies now, bearing in mind I was so like loved it, even about when I was about ten years ago or something. I just something feels a bit. I don't know. You can't listen to it in the (coughs) same way. Yeah, it's
2: kind of like Pixies. Weirdly, it makes sense that. I was into them at that age, it feels like, it feels like it's almost tailored for that kind of, for that kind of, the thinking, the the mindset of me and other people at that age, it just seems to work really well. Yeah. Pixies was my first, like, real gig, I'd been to quite a lot of gigs in, I'd been to a lot of gigs in Cambridge, and then I remember going to lunch at my grandmother's house one day, and my sister at the time was was dating a guy that was a music journalist who wrote for the Evening Standard, before the Evening Standard was uh, <coughs> edited by George Osborne. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> given away free on the tube. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think I, was, I must have been like 13 or something at the time. And, um, and Bossa Nova had just come out. And I was just getting ready to like leave and go home with my mum and my sister was like, Oh no, you're you're coming with me and Tom and I didn't really know what was going on. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> we're gonna go and see Pixies at Brixton Academy and I was just like <laughs> <laughs> <all>
0: Yeah, that's that so. She was like the when you say she was ten years older and like it was cool and it was it sucked when she left like that was kind of the yeah. thing she, she she could do oh yeah definitely
2: yeah she was and she was she was a good font of of interesting uh, kind of musical uh, she she gave me a lot of kind of musical taste pointers very subtly to make it seem as though I was yeah. discovering it myself yeah. <laughs>
1: She was uh, actually moulding you. She was, she
2: was moulding, yeah, 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 yeah. You've yeah. been moulded. And the Fall, you know, that was another <laughs> that was another band that I would maybe have not gotten into so early if it wasn't for her. Yeah. Because she was really obsessed with the Fall, and um, the Fall, of course, Smith's uh, birthday today. Probably the best ex- is, it? is it? Well, happy birthday to him. Yep. Uh, but I mean, I guess the Fall is the best example of a band of like the ultimate evergreen. Yeah. Band yeah. That just kind of. Never sails won't be sail through every single phase one way yeah. or
1: another i guess that's maybe just because it's so tied up in marquis Smith's identity that part of it is i think just having so much respect for him in some ways and him expressing himself that it's a bit like a poet or something you can't yeah you can't it, really ever refuse the fact that he's expressing himself so correctly yeah and, and
2: it's almost entirely trend resistant yeah you know which you know you pay a different price for yeah um which I guess ends up with you writing a kind of the sort of bitterness of the refrain of hit priest it's like that's probably the price he paid for being trend resistant with yeah. never being fully recognized in the way that I you assume he would have liked to at some point yeah too.
1: and if he'd had his like children the firehouse days yeah like maybe you know he probably wouldn't have been making the same no, music course, so he had to show course, that kind yeah, of yeah. resistance to ever moving on with his life in some way
2: c- completely completely
1: yeah what's the second sound that you've chosen second,
2: well i've kind of run roughshod over your rules a little bit
0: and you so the second is less. like
2: the second <laughs> is like a category of sounds It's weird when you have to think of sounds that mean something to you because premeditated i kept coming up with really sort of i think i was trying to find these obscure things and try to sort of attach to to something i was trying to impress you with some 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 really kind of far out, strange, yep. like oh, intriguing. <laughs> we're, an, we're an odd person. Especially
1: when you're uh, gonna be judged on those three sounds and three yeah. sounds <clears> there.
2: <throat> exactly. I'm, I'm trying to come up with cool sounds. And of course, when you do that, you, you just open yourself up to um, nature and animal sounds. But there are two in particular for me. Um, and so, you know, I live, technically live in this kind of secluded place in Mallorca and spend a lot of time there by myself in the winter and it gets quite sort of you, you're you just on your own a lot and it's it's very it's very quiet and you're like left to your own devices and your own thoughts
1: you in, where whereabouts are you in Mallorca is it a village uh, or
2: with the the I'm at the I'm on the coast and the nearest yeah. village is is called Dea yeah it's on the northwest coast and the village of Dea is kind of like in the mountains and then you you go down this windy road, and you get to the beach, and uh, in the winter, generally speaking, I'm like the only person down at the beach, you get a few kind of walkers coming down during the day, and then when a storm comes in or something, I won't, maybe won't see anyone down there for like four or five days at a time, Um, and on that part of Mallorca, you, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of uh, sheep and lambs, and they're allowed to kind of wander around, but they have these little cowbells around their neck. And that for me is just the sort of, it's that strange kind of reassuring sound that there's sort of, there is some life going on yeah. out there. And it's not regular, it's sort of, you might, you might get, like, two days in a row where they'll be kind of loitering around the house, kind of finding things to eat, and then you may not hear them again for two weeks or something, but it's always a very comforting moment when I hear them, uh, and you hear, it obviously, like, they don't really pay attention to day or night, they're just, like, grazing whenever they feel like it, so sometimes <clears throat> you're woken up in the middle of the night by like clanging, clanging bells and things like that. But it's, it's sort of, for me, it's just like a comforting sound. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Actually, that's another thing we spoke about last episode in that. Yeah. Sometimes you want to be alone, (coughs) but you don't want to feel isolated. Mm. And I think that, yeah, hearing, just knowing that somebody's there, but you don't have to necessarily interact with yeah.
2: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. that life is there's life going on. Yeah, I mean, the last yeah. thing I would want is a human with a bell around its neck. No, that would, that would be like not another one. A I heard of them. Dread. Heard. That would be like, in
1: like Ibiza, maybe. Yeah, yeah
2: exactly, yeah. I, I really like the
0: idea of you, uh, like, just r- r- like, hurrying to get dressed and
2: running out with some bongos and trying to join in with them. Yeah, well, <laughs> come on. guys. You laugh, Mazo. <laughs> um, yeah. um, Although one of them... Is, and actually, another reason why I like the bells is because there was a pretty amusing incident the first time i went to stay in this house in the in the winter and i love being on my own but the first couple of nights down there were like you, it takes a little while to get used to like when you hit the lights and the nearest person is probably like a mile and a half away or something and it's just pitch black completely quiet you can hear the sea if the sea's if the sea's rough but it's like total isolated silence and uh, I'd forgotten to kind of close the gate that comes down onto the terrace and it was, it must have been like three in the morning or something and a sheep had come onto the terrace but it had obviously lost its cowbell so I didn't hear it coming <laughs> it was right outside the window at three in the morning and it just went <laughs> and it took me about it felt like about 30 seconds before I clocked what it was. And I, yeah, I was, I was pretty scared. I thought you so were going to actually, say like a
1: classic like, gate swinging, sh- you no. know, like, horror film scenario.
2: <laughs> not that, I, mean, I can
0: totally like, hear the noise. They, 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 they really like, they sound quite human.
2: When you're half asleep, like, <laughs> there's, a, there's a man shouting outside the window at 3am. in a secluded place. It's like, I'm going to have to get the chainsaw out. <laughs> and was it... Uh, Dick Cheney? Uh, that was, yeah, that's Dick Cheney. yeah My beloved chainsaw.
1: Is that what it's called?
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was c- so christened by my friend Jay. Um, but yeah. White, wild, that, wild does...
1: eyes, <laughs> naked with a chainsaw. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> oh, what man. People,
2: that's what people have said to me when they come to stay. They're like, then you get freaked out being here by, by yourself. Like, someone, some crazy person turns up, and I'm like, I'm the crazy person <laughs> with with the weapons, you know. <laughs> like like <laughs> they should be scared of me. A lot of the people that do live there like seem to get really depressed in the winter, and yeah, know, it's also the weather can be quite kind of intense, you know. In what way? It's cold. If the, when the sun's out, it can be warm. But then at night and the first thing in the morning it's like really it can be really it snowed there a couple of years ago as well and that's the coldest i've been for a long time in a sustained way and
1: yeah
2: there's a there's like an open fire in the house but no heating and someone actually took a picture i'm not on instagram but i think it was my friend of mine or my brother or someone sent me a picture that someone posted on instagram who'd gone for a walk to the beach and by the you. house yeah and the house was in the background it's like s- this little snow drift across the roof and uh and the text message to me said oh it looks pretty cold in day right now and i was like i'm in <laughs> i'm in the house and look, like, look, zoom and in on the photo i'm, and just I'm like they like huddled by <laughs> the fire if i if even like went two meters away from the fire it was like shivering it's crazy yeah. You know? so yeah it can be quite intense down there and the storms can go on for like five six days and kept quite busy though like it's sort of it's it's uh it's an activity
0: as well like battling the storm yeah it is well, you know, being, yeah.
2: being there is so nice because daily life is a kind of constant activity of like getting firewood and you know it's a, it's an old house this sort of this just seems to be an endless list of things that you need to do each day just to sort of go about your business and yeah.
1: sounds almost like Scotland or you know it, in the Scotland winter Island.
2: it's not far off that kind of feel you know Highlands yeah. Highland, highland but, life yeah but but with that kind of nice Mediterranean colouring <laughs> oh no you had a question that was oh wait but there's another sound oh yeah so there's there's a a London counterpoint and it's it's a it's a London animal sound that gives me a different type of pleasure and that's parakeets oh, oh yeah. Which I absolutely love because they're like, obviously the the green yeah the intruders. green the, the intruders well, West, which West, you, everyone, West London. everyone says they're intruders yeah they're all over West London and
0: and uh, I went to Greenwich the other day and there's some they've got some there I
2: I just I love them because they are clearly just having so much fun <laughs> yeah. all the time. clearly just having so much fun (laughs) all the time and um, there's something obviously appealing about anti-heroes and um, you know pigeons and things like this like any animals that people like to hate and I like urban wildlife Yeah, and I actually went to a really good talk about urban wildlife a while ago and parakeets were a kind of hot topic in the question and answer. And, um, and one of the guys who was on the panel was basically standing up against this sort of tide of disdain, which was being leveled at the parakeets, stood up for them and said, well, you know, like some of these garden birds that you're trying to protect now, like certain types of thrushes that are, you know, gradually being seen less and less and less to sort of slightly worrying levels people were saying about them what they're now saying about parakeets you know yeah. like they used to be kind of rife and everywhere and it's like that's just the normal interplay of nature like there is no that you know what people think of this kind of like permanent indigenous thing is all garbage and yeah you know, it was just
1: like yes just immigration <laughs> policy it's, yeah exactly yeah. exactly it's it's
2: Like I bet you, of all grown. of those see, <laughs> see i bet you can you can you can tell, Leave voters on their attitude towards foxes and parakeets.
1: Yeah.
0: So third and final sound, please Rupert.
2: Third and final sound is another obvious one when I unhinged myself from the, the.
0: Um... Oh, you hinged right now. Sorry.
2: No, when I when I unhinged myself from the grim process of coming up with cool obscure sounds. Right. Uh, <clears throat> and this one may be sort of painfully obvious to people that know me well but um the sound of pages of books uh in their kind of huge array of possibility of sounds that they make but also the different attitudes that they can that they can uh or the different responses that that they can engender at different times and due to different circumstances um all the way from that wonderful moment where you have a day where you don't really have anything to do so you're going to start the day reading love reading early in the morning where you kind of like full concentration yeah and that first few page turns is just the most glorious yeah. sound ever and knowing that that's really all you're going to hear for the foreseeable future until you decide to stop yeah And then the way that the same sound can be a kind of source of extreme frustration when you're reading in bed and you're trying to stay awake to finish a really good section. And suddenly that kind of tired kind of hyperacuity in your ears and that sound becomes like painfully loud um, and can be very frustrating. I started to think about it a lot because for the end of, for the last track on uh, After Masterpieces, the LP that is about to come out, Um, the last line, uh, of that, of the poem that is that piece was about the pages of, uh, the divine comedy blowing in the wind. And, um, it didn't sort of occur to me at the time, but I thought, okay, I'm going to actually record that. Yeah. And so, and so I did, and it's such a nice sound recorded, um, paper in the wind. Yeah. Just the pages. pages, Um, and I, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was very, um, I was very, um, what's the word? You're right. Like, yeah, it w- like <laughs> words just completely. It's is it's, yes. I was very fetishistic about it. <laughs> I was, so yeah, I was fetishistic about it because I did actually record my copy of that book. I was going to say, was it Divine I, Comedy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of it, was a, it was a fully has, prepared. Has a real timbre. Yeah, it was a, it was a fully prepared scenario. Um, so you
0: ripped it up and?
2: No, it's just like I laid it open uh, outside. Oh, okay, I see. When yeah, the it, right. put it, put a, yeah, put yeah. a field recorder down by it. Yeah. Um, had to lock my brother's dog in the house because he took a great interest in the, in the, in the uh, the windbreak on the microphone, um, and then recorded it. And just it, it's a lovely sound. You know? more of a thinker for now then than a doer see what happens when doing unthought is done to who or what should this spontaneous penitence be directed longing for the love that moves the sun, squinting to catch elusive black traces of swallows, crescent, uncertain trajectories. They're gone. Pages of a long poem blow gently back and forth, like the sea's rising mass, lapping against the love that moves the sun. Thank you.
1: incorporated poetry into what you do
2: no no and in fact that was a source of frustration to me for a long time which now seems like a, like a distant memory thankfully in a way I think of music as just something that I do almost naturally if i am given the choice to do something I'll I'll kind of read and write as it seems to be what I'm more passionate about yeah and I used to think I had to sort of do one or the other, and there was this kind of conflict between, well, music seems to be what I do for a living, but what I do for, for pleasure outside that is to read uh, and write. And I used to get frustrated feeling like I had to make time to uh, to enjoy literature or to sort of think about things in a, in a literary way that was separate from music. And it was really with the Zibaldoni project that I released with uh, James's label, that I just kind of kind of mashed the two together in quite an irreverent way. Yeah. Um, reading poems that I liked over music, um, excerpts of, of books that I liked, or whatever it may be, um, and letting the music be kind of guided by the feeling of the words um, and then suddenly it seemed to make sense. I was like, okay, I can do them both at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then I started to sort of toy around with the idea of doing a record, which was my own words. I suppose I'd always done what everyone does who writes, so he's dream of, like, your own book. Yeah. Anyway, I've given that, not given that up now, but I don't think about that so much because I'm just doing music and words together. And
1: But have you really given it up? You know, <laughs> have you really? <laughs>
2: But if then you, if you, you, know. you describe my facial expression now. You can basically <laughs> tell what
0: I have. It. But I think, like when Absolutely. when you say your own book, I mean it's. And here's a cool sentence. But a book is just written down words. So, so when but you are all your words are you're meant. on fire. So, um. <laughs> but you know, your work is going to be written down and it's going to be presented. And who's to say that's?
2: I guess it's not mm. a novel or something. But you know, it is. It is that. There's I nothing mean, I, like a book, though. I think it? there's a there's Stop a, there's a <laughs> I mean, it's easier to swing to swing some words by people that run a record label than by by a publisher. God bless. Isn't, isn't that right, James? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I mean there'll always be a cachet, right? About I think about if you're into reading and writing, though, I guess there'll always be a cachet to like a book-only project. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Whether it'll happen, who knows? But um, it
1: probably would have been the same with a record if you'd gone into writing. Exactly. Exactly,
2: But yeah, finding a way to, to sort of suspend the two together, um, yeah, I feel, I feel really lucky that somehow it it just kind of fell into place and uh, now I, I can safely say that I'm just kind of completely happy working on the music I do. I never feel like I should be Spending time doing something else, if I really care about it, yeah, um, it just feels like I, I'm sort of doing exactly what I want to do, which is great. Which I
0: I find this after masterpiece album. I don't, I f- I mean, we'll agree, but it couldn't have come out five years ago. Like you had to wait until this point to be able to do it. Yeah, I think so. And it's a, like an amalgamation of all the little bits and bobs that you've done over the years, and it's, well, it's a brilliant record, but it's really well presented, and the and the text. Uh, and the written aspect of it does, isn't uh, it? All like makes sense with the, in its in its form.
2: Yeah, and I think. And, you know, the music outweighs the the text massively. Yeah. On yeah. that record, but what again? That's sort of going back to this idea of rhythm. You know, spanning everything from yeah from the space between words to a, to a kind of one hundred and forty five BPM drum pattern yeah on that record it really feels like an attempt to sort of to to sort of put that whole span into some kind of perspective from from extremely fast sort of <clears throat> drum patterns to to the space between between two verses that is maybe you know but it is three, really four s- minutes long or whatever it, it really and means. it is yeah. really well
0: um they really sort of complement each other as well because it is well paced, and I guess that uh, the sense of rhythm we were talking about in the the rhythm of the record is so well paced that it's it, it flows nicely and it's not a hard listen and it's, it's a listen that like flies by because because each each section is kind of perfectly
2: timed. <laughs> I, hope, I, I hope other people agree. Well, mean, it's yeah. funny
1: because we both really like music that has a spoken word element to it. And I think, and I was listening to quite a few tracks like that today actually. And I think that I don't know what it is, but I feel like obviously speech has its own rhythm, and that's defined by the language you speak and where you live, and all this kind of stuff, your dialect. But I don't, I still think that speech, according to the individual, has an element of unpredictability. And it's quite, I just love hearing something that obviously, when you're making music, you are controlling it in some way, but it's something that it can almost be completely offbeat. It can Mm. almost be, it it doesn't, if anything, that can make it really exciting with the music. Uh,
2: Definitely. And from the point of view of having made music in bands for a long time, where you've got to be aware of how the the words have to fit into a, a very kind of strict rhythm. And, you know, there are people who are really good at stretching that in interesting ways, but still to some degree you're working in a kind of musical meter rather than a a sort of spoken literary meter which are obviously like dramatically related but very different things yeah yeah and there's so much freedom to make the music you want to make and to write the things you want to write if those two things aren't kind of completely pegged to one another in a certain way and that's really nice and you know it took a long long time to to feel comfortable doing readings for that record which felt natural like first it it was a real case of like getting over the horror of hearing your own voice recorded but then trying to find a voice that would read them in a in a kind of genuine way and that took a really long time of just like trial and error and doing it over and over again and obviously learning the words by heart yeah did did putting on accents sometimes. Yeah. The American of version. Of course, yeah. I did the Americanized version. You know.
0: There's a good yes in it. I really like the yes. Yeah, there's one yes.
2: Oh, yeah, the uh, yes. response to my own question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I can imagine taking a while to perfect. It did take a while to get the, to get the time. Hell out. yes. <laughs> yeah. But I, I've done... Okey uh, dokey. <laughs> but <laughs>
0: no problemo. But that's... And, oh God, it is, yeah, when, maybe we can put in the yes. Yes. But I do a radio show and don't, but don't do it live. So there are stations in Belgium and I send them a show once a month. And initially when I started doing it, I was like, oh, well, you know, radio isn't, you should speak. And, and I, so I was like, I'd, I'd go in and introduce it. And, but because I would always send it last minute, it would always be me like in my bedroom at 2am just sitting there listening to it and going, hi, this is James. Hi- hey, it's J-Mo. <laughs> like, hi, Marzo here. <laughs> and then just, which is just me in a completely quiet room trying to introduce a radio. I, I gave up on
2: doing it eventually, but. There's a, out yourself. Oh, thanks. There's like a DJ tone of voice. Yeah. And it's funny actually, I, I used to DJ with this guy, Nick, that I lived with uh, in my early twenties and we used to DJ on uh, a pirate station called Energy FM. Yeah. And it was in South Norwood and it was like in a block of flats in South Norwood.
1: Have you got the other bits? Sorry.
2: And um, like, like a real old pirate radio station with twelve tens tens in, in an airing cupboard in a flat and little cassette player to like play adverts to the people that like throw a bit of cash to the station. And at first we were like just so nervous about the entire experience and we like really just barely, we had to sort of say that it was Energy FM, etc., like the bandwidth and stuff. But we were so nervous, but after like eight or nine shows, we started to get much more confident. We were like quoting Simpsons characters (laughs) and and we actually got a, a little bit too a little bit too uh a little bit too crazy and we got told by troy and garfield who ran the station that we had to tone down the the banter on the show yeah it's possible with 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 immersion i feel like yes and yeah there you go
1: i feel like you get i feel like it's like false banter that comes out it's not even your own personality and that's the weird thing like when you get overexcited, you just I don't know, it's like you're putting on a character, but a character that you would definitely not want to hang out with at a party. Well, that
0: that was the last empty house
2: show. But I was that <laughs> I was, I was, like, overexcited you, Yeah, you were definitely that person.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> oh, well, it's not as if it's stored digitally online for the rest of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. I will. Just
2: quickly roll this. I mean, I like what Thalia's Moss says, her being one of my favorite living poets and she says um i think she tells a story about s- someone being surprised that she wasn't a very eloquent speaker uh, when she's being interviewed or talking and, and she's like well that's why i'm a poet like i'm not eloquent unless i take great care to like yeah. write everything down yeah. like uh, as well as i can but like, i can't do it off the cuff you know yeah Needless to say, she is actually really eloquent as well. <laughs> yeah. What
1: kind of, what, um, are you into poetry? A lot of poetry.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: What's, what's some of your favourite poets?
2: Yeah. Uh, so, well, Thileas Moss absolutely is my kind of, one of my favourite living poets. I'm a big fan of uh, Geoffrey Hill, who died maybe a couple of years ago. Um, René Char, a French poet. Um and resistance fighter really fascinating character um yeah too many to mention really
1: but. yeah um, i
0: uh, had a one that i was going to add on to the question about page turning um does that extend to other people Do, like are you studying other people if if you see someone on a train or let I me mean,
2: i study other people like but if you hear someone just, else turn, no i, I turn only pages i'm just you know we were talking about like maintaining the the condition and integrity of books so when I look at other people read it's usually in horror that they've kind of curled the cover of a paperback like round yeah. on itself. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a it's a pathetic reality, but um yeah, the uh mis mistreatment of books is uh yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't even like seeing someone turn bend the corner.
2: Yeah. No, I can't I can't have it. I don't like seeing people read. I'll take it that take it. It's very far. pretentious. It's 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 yeah, it's not for me. It's very pretentious to read, yeah.
1: Are there any sounds that you just can't stand?
2: Nothing springs to mind. Um Yeah, nothing springs to mind. I think I think maybe when you uh it might be something to do with kind of embracing weird music it means that you kind of you almost to get away from those kind of musical norms you you kind of have to embrace grating sounds for what they have to offer to an experience or whatever it is so i think
0: so like you, so you're at like you know in class and someone's scraping a
2: chalkboard and everyone's going and you're just like oh, actually that's that's pretty cool actually <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that could work <laughs> you've got a could, mic yeah. can, um, um but yeah i mean like that's so i don't know i mean nothing really yeah. springs to mind is something that i really
0: i think amelia uh when we did it last time, she said, "Of it was like the volume of the tube." Yeah, I mean I, is it's that,
1: weird because I do actually quite like the sound of it sometimes, but it's just it's so it's unrelenting, because yeah. You don't know when. It, I think it's with me. It's not knowing when a sound is going to stop. So yeah, yeah,
2: and it's the lack of control over it.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Which is a sort of important aspect of why music in its weirder, in its kind of weirder realms. Yeah. Doesn't garner the same attention as visual art in its weirder realms because yeah. people feel that inescapable. Um, or pe- people are aware of that inescapable quality of a sound, and you know you can't close your ears, and yeah. It, yeah. sound seems to scare people <clears throat> a lot more than than um, smells. Then well, I think smells <laughs> can be pretty scary as well. Um, you yeah, Smell like Rupert it. in his dreadlock <laughs> <stage>. uh, Yeah. <laughs> If only we could go back in time. Um, a smell I'd love to yeah. interview him. <laughs> Fascinating character. First. What's your
0: favourite track? Yeah. At the um,
1: my favourite track at the moment is one that I just found today. Well, it's just really more just a number of tracks or sounds. Um, but I heard on an Occo okay mix. Uh, Occo okay, DJ? Yeah. About this artist called Susanna Stark from Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Do you know her? No. Uh, she's a fine and artist or a conceptual artist and also but i guess just multimedia and she makes some amazing uh sound pieces the one in particular that i really liked i think is called phrase um and then there's a date that follows so i guess that's part of the name 28th to the 5th 2018 and it's by oh god my handwriting is terrible beth dynowski and Susanna stark
0: turn
1: orange
0: colored
1: soul turn the color of love So I started reading a few interviews by her and just heard, um, read in this 2017 interview that she said, we are never doing something alone. We are adding voices to the chorus that's come before. And I really liked that because mm-hmm. I feel like with music and anything really, you're just kind of, you're not really alone in what you're making. It's, it's all, and maybe you are in the moment, but it's all going to just add to the history of, yeah and and be part of a bigger conversation that you kind of have no control over.
2: Definitely. I couldn't agree more from the point of view that for a long time, and certainly with the Zibaldoni records, a big, a big strain of that is about the, the kind of, uh, the modern myth of originality and how kind of insane that is. Um, and dishonest yeah. it is to sort of, so that's the sentiment that I'd like to hear the piece. Yeah. Yeah. It's really I good. You do it
1: know for you, the one, What's the mix? Um, it was in the strange, uh,
0: Strange Sounds from Beyond, Yeah, um... which was, uh, you know, kicked off by a tune by uh, Rupert. Lark.
2: You never sing your particular song, because you sing the song of other birds. You don't know this. Always make up your own melodies that other birds copy.
1: What about you, James?
0: Uh, so my track uh, was coming, stemming from I went to the Static Shock weekend, last weekend, and saw, uh, it was like a punk promoter in London they did a weekend of gigs and um, the Saturday night was headlined by Warthog from New York and just a tune by them called shit Or something, <clears throat> and it's just a properly good, like sort of strong, powerful, short punk song. And I just that that weekend as well sort of encapsulated what I like about live music.
1: I'm so jealous that I didn't go to that. Yeah, it was just done.
0: brilliant. It's just like a um, at New River. Well, it was at X Fed. That that oh, yeah. uh, War was at X Fed, um, which is like a, yeah the big warehouse behind New River Studios in Manor House, which sadly doesn't get used that much I, don't, I think they have they're only allowed to use it a couple of times throughout the year um and like i just love going to punk gigs because it's like you know like 20 minute sets about the time it takes to drink a pint or something so you just kind of like buy a pint go to see a band so you do that about three or four times and then you know go home and it's like don't get bored don't get and if you do like the band it's you left wanting more and if you don't like the band it's only 20 minutes anyway so it's yeah. fine um the Warthog were, so the headlines, they were like, you know, paid, paid for a bit longer. And in the X Fed, which maybe holds, um, I don't know, 300, 400 people maybe. But seeing like 80 people go nuts in a room uh, is one thing. But seeing like 300 people go nuts in a room is, is like, it's just great. And it's like, I'm so glad that this exists. Yeah, what a <laughs> um, time to be alive. What a time to be alive. I screamed <laughs> that. I got on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah. the uh, first time you ever saw that? Yes, no, uh, yeah. <laughs> And uh, the
1: only uh, time from yeah. now from now on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's it's all downhill from Warhog. Back to normal for you.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, Shit by Warthog, off the first demo. So what
1: was yours, Rupert?
2: Occasionally, like, when you find something and you just kind of find yourself, you know, going through the iTunes on your computer and you like, oh, I'm just going to listen to that one more time, just mm-hmm. that one. And it's a track from the Earth Eater record, which we've been talking about a little bit recently and when i'm when i'm in mallorca i tend to like put new music that i have into a playlist and just put it on shuffle when i'm kind of cooking or doing whatever and so i'm not entirely necessarily sure what it is but just sort of a different (coughs) way of listening to it in a sort of unexpected you're not really quite sure what to expect or what's coming next you don't really recognize it because it's new and this track came on <clears throat> and it turns out it's called inhale baby and it's this one we talked about the other day and yeah, know it's a really it's a great track and then suddenly this voice is saying the word ducky unless <laughs> i'm mistaken i'm building me in snow licking till i melt ducky stutter through the glitter Skirt. Direct my breath where I run There's so much stuff coming out of my skirt. Ducky. There's so much stuff coming out of my skirt. Inhale baby pink. Exhale red. It happens throughout the track. <laughs> maybe four or five times. I think it's like the fourth time. It just goes into this. Mm -hmm. like unfeasibly consoling tone of voice the tone changes very subtly and for some reason that's just like drawn me to that particular track and i must have listened to it like 40 times with that particular piece i sort of have the same type of pleasure as i get from reading a sort of particularly kind of spectral piece of poetry where the effect is kind of completely powerful without requiring any explanation um And yeah, so I really like that piece of music. It is.
0: It is. It is Ulyssian time. It is Ulyssian time. It is Ulyssian time. The self
2: thought thing goes back all the way to as far as I can remember. I hated school, but turns out when I left school that I quite liked learning.
0: Yep. but is it and is it um, learning by necessity usually or is
2: it, or just? I think it just kind of. I'm. I just like learning about anything there is to learn about really, yeah. but I don't necessarily like being told an established point of view. And in fact, that's why. Um, probably shouldn't talk about something that we were speaking about before we started recording.
1: Oh, go on! You can do that. But that's
2: why <coughs> Svetlana Alexeyevich is so. Such a crucial figure for the future of the world as far as i'm concerned but for me as a person as well because it's a completely new way of experiencing history rather than having a sort of a completely pre-formulated textbook style uh version of events that obviously at some point has been created and corroborated by people who are interested in explaining things in a certain way you've suddenly got this kind of like collage of of different people's opinions from both sides of a of a scenario and that kind of detail paints a completely different picture it's like a kind of uh multiple tiny details painting a whole picture rather than One sort of carefully thought out portrait of events, yeah, yeah, and um, that's that to me is a much more interesting way of learning than being, and and being taught something as a definitive approach to whatever it may be—a period of history, a book, whatever it is, you know. Yeah,
1: definitely,
2: and a much more
0: yeah, like deeper understanding and more like like empathetic, yeah, 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 nice
1: one. Oh, I think that's
0: all. Should
1: we cut it there? Yep. Should I say a little round up? Round it up. Oh, God.
2: <laughs> 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 um. <laughs> <laughs> you walked right into that one. <laughs> you I Jason. It. Music, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much, Rupert, for your thank time. Thank you. Thank you, James and Amelia. Uh, that's been the second episode of Immortal Science. And
1: and the first one with our guest. So, Rupert, you our yeah. first guest.
0: First guest. Thank you. What an honour.
2: A great honour for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cheers.